0: if you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321. Give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast.
1: It looks like I'm moving in, huh? I got all my stuff. Good morning, you guys. How are you today? My name is Leslie Garcia, I heard my name whispered out here before I came. I'm the operations pastor here at Humanity Church, and I just want to welcome you guys if you're watching online, welcome to you guys. We're so glad you're here, whether you're in person or online, we're glad you're with us today. Um, Over the last few weeks, we've been going through a series called Proof of Life, and in this series, we've been looking at vital signs that tell us if we're spiritually alive. We all know that we have vital signs that tell us that we're physically alive, like our heart rate or our blood pressure and stuff like that, but... Um, we're looking at signs that tell us how alive we are spiritually. In the book of 1 John um, is where we're getting all these vital signs from and and we're just looking at how we can interact with these things. Um, We've gone through uh, four four of the tests so far. The first one was the light test when we looked at how much of our life is lived in the light, how much we're willing to be honest and transparent about our hardships and our struggles and the more we're willing to do that, the more alive we are. The next test, test, I can't talk, test we talked about was the passion test. When we're able to redirect um, our energies towards beauty and wholeness, then that brings life to us and to others. Then we talked about the truth test. When we're willing to submit our lives to the truth that that the universe was founded on and that are found in scriptures and we interact with them as if they're true, we are more often able to find life for ourselves and for others. And then last week, we talked about the world test. When we're able to go against the current of the world, when we're able to switch and move in an opposite direction in love, we are more able to find life for ourselves and for others. And that brings us to today's proof of life, which is love. Love! One of my favorite movies, um, which is on Broadway, in case you're curious, um, is Moulin Rouge. Okay, I love it. But in the very beginning of the movie, um, they're asking the main character about things he believes in. So they ask him, do you believe in beauty? And he says, yes. Do you believe in freedom? Yes, of course. I do it in an English accent, but I can't. Okay, do you believe in truth? Yes. And then they ask him, do you believe in love? Love, above all things I believe in love. Love is like oxygen. Love, it's a mini splendored thing. Love lifts you up where you belong. Love is all you need. I love it. But what about you today? Do you believe in love? Is love all you need? Would you say it's splendid? Does it lift you up? Or maybe you fall on the more practical side and you're like, love's great, (laughs) but sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it just requires more from me than I'm up for. You know, Um, or maybe you're straight up cynical and you're like, I mean, I'm sure it's great for some people, but I can't seem to find it. You know, maybe you're in that place this morning. By the time Juan and I had been married five years, we'd been through a lot. I don't know any newly married people in the room. Um, We were struggling through infertility. Juan had started a job with a friend that turned out (laughs) to be a terrible decision that left him um, unemployed and pretty defeated. I was working 70 plus hours a week at a company that cared very little about my well-being, um, and they were, they were straight up about it too. Um, but I found myself disappointed and disillusioned um, with what was going on with Juan, with what was going on with our finances, with what was going on with my job, with Juan's lack of a job, um, and with wanting things that it felt like were just never gonna happen for me. And I was disillusioned with the amount of effort that love and life with another person required. There was, during that, five, during that time, there was a year, I don't want to shock you guys if you're newly married, where Juan and I barely spoke to each other. Um, I could really not think of anything nice to say, so I guess on some level I thought nothing's better than what I was thinking. Um, so, yeah, we didn't talk. I didn't ask him what was going on for him. I didn't really care, to be honest. Um, you're going to leave this dog going, she's terrible. Um, I would come home from work. My sister lived eight houses down. I would walk down the street to my sister's house. I would play with my nephews. I would talk to my sister. I just made myself busy so that I didn't have to engage in the things that were going on. Um, I remember wishing that he would do something so unforgivable I could leave and then I could say it was all his fault. Because I didn't want to look bad. I still wanted to look good, if you know what I mean. (laughs) But anyway, if you would have asked me during that time what I thought about love, I would have told you I do not agree with Christian in Moulin Rouge. 100% don't agree. Um, And I would have told you it's a lot of work and I'm not sure it's worth the price of admission. That's just where I was. We watch movies and they inform us that love's amazing. And we want to believe it. We really do. And we don't want it to hurt. We don't want it to be hard. We don't want it to take sacrifice. We don't want it to require a shift in us. We often prefer the fairy tale version. The scriptures actually have a lot to say about love. It's, it's one of the main topics. Um, I I think it's safe to say that it's the central theme of this book, 1 John, that we've been looking at, but additionally, it's the central theme of the scriptures, and it's the central theme of Jesus himself. And what I want to invite you in today is that this proof of life is meant to be the fundamental thread of our human experience. It's what life is really supposed to be all about. And the more we arrange our lives around this proof, the more fully alive we'll be. And conversely, the more we move away from it, the more we move from life to death, from a fulfilling life to a scarce life. But let's see what John does have to say. So in 1 John 4, it's a long verse kids, so here we go. 4, seven through 21. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed us, showed love among us. I'm sorry, He has given us His Spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God in God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. That's a lot, huh? (laughs) But easy enough, right? Not a problem. God loves us and he's commanding us to love one another. Okay, check, check. How do we do that? For real. How are we supposed to love everyone? Because that is what it says. And why? Like, why should we want to do it? The how is simple. Um, you cannot do it. <laughs> not without God and not without the Holy Spirit like invading your life and letting them inform your way of being. And the why? The why is so that you, so I, and so others can know God. That's the why. But if we don't make a shift that the, that the Scripture is asking us to, we actually miss everything else. The scripture is commanding us to love one another um, Sometimes in scriptures, we do find instructions for how to live, but this scripture is not giving us instructions. It's giving us a command. So, um, yeah. Yeah. If you really want to understand what God has to say, it's just right here in the scriptures. He's saying, I'm love. Jesus is love. That's what he's saying. That's who he is. That's why he came. And he sent his son Jesus into the world to accomplish his love. He didn't come for judgment or coercion or condemnation. The only motivation for Jesus' presence with us is love. The simple fact is that God is actively in love with each and every one of you. And one of the most powerful and significant ways we can experience God's love is when we allow it to move through us and to other people. It's just God's expression of love for us. What's not being said, and I'm sure if you heard in the verses, what's not being said is that you'll know God if you do all the right things or if you know Bible verses. Some people think that's getting closer to God. Um, if you dot all your I's and cross all your T's, do all the Christian-y things, then you know God. That's not the way. Love is the only way. I was, I was at this event um, several years ago. I was invited to the end part of the event, and I think they invite you to the end to like motivate you to go to the whole thing. And my friend invited me, she was really excited. And when it was all over, she's like, what did you think? And I was like, well, okay. So what I had just witnessed was a bunch of people saying, this weekend just changed me so much, and now I just love everybody in the room. And I was like, um, what I think is, I don't know. I don't know if I'm up for it, if I'm up for loving more people, people more deeply. Like if I'm being honest, And I think she said that to get me excited, but I was like, it sounds like a lot of work. And it sounds like a lot of sacrifice. And honestly, people have hurt me. I have been hurt by loving people. And I don't know if I want to dive into that on purpose. Like, go to an event to dive into it. I don't know. Because when we're on the giving side of love, we're not always sure. But you know, when we're on the receiving side, we're always sure. We're always sure, dude. Because when we strip everything else away at our core, we just want to be loved, right? We just want to be loved and accepted. And it terrifies us that someone might only love us for what we produce, what we bring to the table, what we can do for them. As humans though, even though it terrifies us for ourselves, we do it. We love people for what they produce what they can bring. I mean, it's mm, how they make us feel. When they bring value to our lives, then we love. I know when we grow in God though, what actually happens is we become more like him. We start to have our character align with his character. We start to care about the things that he cares about. Our heart starts to break for the things that his heart breaks about. We become a reflection of him in the world. We shift, we change. Once we connect to God, we can no longer hold love hostage for what someone else can do for us because Jesus changes it all up. He's revolutionary. It's, it's countercultural, you guys. It's different. When we connect to Jesus, we're commanded to love without condition. That's what the verses say. And we learn how to set ourselves aside in love without the promise of receiving. Wow. We all love. Even terrible people love. I mean, we think maybe just good people love. But it's not true. People outside of Jesus love. We all do. What makes us transcendent, what makes us unique, is loving our enemy, loving people that take work. <laughs> um, what sets us apart is when we, when we love like the world, world loves, we're no different. But when we connect to Jesus, we love people that don't like us. We love people that despise us. We love people that have different opinions than us. We're called to love people that we vehemently disagree with, that bug the living daylights out of you. You're called to love those people, right? The people who push you to your limits. When we're connected to Jesus, the proof of life is not just that we love those that love us, it's that we are inspired to love the people that don't love us, that we're not connected to. Love asks a lot. It's no small task, because when we're really loving people, we also don't have, the, we don't have the privilege, I guess, to hold on to bitterness and vengeance. Those are empowering emotions, huh? Because man, oh, when I feel, they're better than betrayal. Because when I feel betrayed, I feel, um, I feel weak, and I feel used, I feel vulnerable. But if I could switch them into bitterness or vengeance, woo, I'm strong, right? Because I control this situation then. But those emotions, they rob you. They rob you of your ability to love. Have you ever tried to love someone that you're bitter towards? It's a lot of work. I mean, let's be honest, it's very hard to do. Very hard to do. But how many of us have diminished our capacity to feel love um, because we're afraid to feel anything? Mm. So we chose a numbness, hoping that the pain doesn't go any deeper, hoping it could be manageable. Honestly, guys, so this is exactly what I was doing during the year of silence. And I'm telling you, it was a whole year. Um, That says a lot that he stayed, huh? Um, I was ignoring all the things I didn't want to deal with. I was ignoring things I didn't want to evaluate about myself. I was ignoring everything that might be going on with Juan because I wasn't talking to him so I didn't have the foggiest idea what was going on with him. Um, I was living a numb and shallow existence in an effort to survive without going any deeper, without pressing into anything new or anything different, um, and one evening my sister invited us down to her house, um, and we went, and uh, I was there a couple hours and I was tired, so I was like, I'm, go- I'm going home. Um, probably the day required conversation, I don't really know. Um, but Juan stayed, and he sat in the jacuzzi with my brother-in-law and he told my brother-in-law everything that he was going through, everything that was going on for him. Um, Again, things I had no idea about. So, I had made up, (laughs) I don't know if you ever do this, I had made up an entire story of what I imagined was going on with Juan, and then I conducted my life around that story without ever asking him. So I was working on principles, or like truth, I was not working on the truth. The truth test, I failed it. Um, Yeah, so the next morning my sister called me, and she tells me all about the conversation, and she told me things about Juan I had no idea about. Um. Yeah, she was like, what is going on with you? I, I'm so grateful for her because she told me I was wrong. She's like, you need to talk to your husband, Leslie. <laughs> um, I don't even remember the conversation between Juan and I. I, have no idea what we talked about. What I do remember is that that conversation shifted me. It shifted everything in me. It made me able to see what was going on for him it made me able to see this, this whole situation from a perspective that I had never considered. But I can tell you from that experience that a manageable and numb life is not a very happy life. It is very sad, and it is very lonely. That I can tell you for sure. I think it's important to recognize, too, that, um, that love doesn't diminish pain. When you love people, you're gonna feel pain. I, love, I, love is actually the thing that led Jesus to the cross. So, I mean, love didn't lessen the pain in Jesus' life. Uh, he felt physical pain of being nailed and nailed to a cross and beaten. He felt, um, he felt the emotional pain of being abandoned by his friends. He felt the pain of betrayal. He felt the pain of loneliness. In fact, I think it's accurate to say when we choose love, we're going to feel more pain, more sorrow, more disappointment, because love requires it. I wish I could say that when you choose love, that's not gonna happen, but it would be a lie, and I don't wanna stand up here and lie to you today. Love oh, is gonna open you up to all the feels. It really is. It, it, it's gonna cause you to feel more deeply than ever before, but that is proof that you're alive. Yeah. 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 We all know the pain of losing love though, right? And that is a deep pain. My grandma lost her first child um, when he was very young, to an illness. It's sort, it's to me seems so senseless today because it's curable today, the thing that he died from. Um, but many of us know that, that pain of losing a loved one way too early. Or the pain of, um, of being betrayed by someone that you love very, very much, a close friend or a family member. Maybe you know the pain of someone telling you that they would never leave and then they leave anyway or the pain of someone taking your love and abusing it. I don't know, there's a lot of pain that comes with love. I don't think there's a more painful experience in the world than to lose it love. The hurt is deep and it can make us cautious to go again. But you know what I find really interesting about the human experience, human resilience, is that like my grandma knew firsthand what it felt like to, to lose a child, her only child, but she let love, she went again, she let love, in, inform her and she had another child. Even after we experience the pain that can come from love, we are compelled to go again because love is inviting. It's powerful and it, it's, it's asking us to take the risk and we want to say yes. That's, this is the core of being connected to God, really. He's commanding us to um, be defined by love knowing firsthand that it involves pain and he's asking us to go anyway there's a story in the Bible um, called the Good Samaritan. Jesus tells a story of a man who's walking down the road. Um, two men are walking down the road and they pass a guy who's been beaten, he's injured, he's laying on the side of the road. They assume he's dead. They, um, it's, they walk across the road and they go on the other side. Now the two people who cross the road, they would be it would be as equivalent to like me and Nathan walking down the road and then crossing and walking by. That's who they were in the community. Um, and then, As the story goes, a Samaritan man comes by, he walks by and he stops and he helps the man. He bandages him, he um, takes care of him, he gives him his donkey so that he can get to a place of safety. Um, And at the time, the Samaritans were people that the Jewish people did not like. They didn't think very highly of them. So Jesus was using this story to tell them that everyone deserves your love and help, not just the people you like, not just the people that you think are in your tribe. And he was wanting them to consider what it would look like for them to love others. Today, what I'd like you to consider is are there people you can think of right now that you could show up for that you're not showing up for? Maybe there's someone that needs you to make a change in the way that you behave or you act and you're unwilling to. Maybe God is bringing to mind a person that you're still holding bitterness or unforgiveness towards, and he's asking you to look at that. What would it look like for you to make a move toward that person? What would crossing the road look like for that person and for you? As you become more alive in God, you're gonna start to see yourself in these people. You're gonna be compelled to stop for people that you don't know. You're gonna, people who are not like you, those that, um, God is bringing to you that need your love. There's people that God brings to your life specifically for you to love, that's why they're there. Maybe they're the hard people, I don't know, you can ask God about that. Um, But I'd like you to consider that there are people in your life that are specifically there for you to love and that God's given you them as an opportunity and what would it look like for you to shift however you need to shift to love those people. They might live in your house. Mine did. You know, they might live in your house. They might live across the street, I don't know. But in the 60s there was this song, it was called, um, They'll Know We Are Christians By Our Love. And there was three, anybody old enough to know that song? One person. Um, But there's three lines in the song that go like this, and I love you so much that I am going to speak them to you and not sing them to you. (laughs) They say, we are one in the spirit, we are one in the Lord, and we pray that our unity may one day be restored, and they'll know we are Christians by our love. When I grew up, that was like, it was old when I grew up even, but it was popular enough that I knew it. But that song has always bugged me, because I always think, do they, I don't know who they are, but do they know us by our love? I don't know. I mean, I think it's a really good question to consider. Do you think that the population at large knows the followers, those followers of Jesus by our love? Would you see, say that is the defining characteristic that the world is saying, yeah, I mean those people, they're all about the love? Yes, someone said yes, I was a child. Um, look, you know what history tells us? That Christians used to burn people at the stake. That's what history tells us because they had different theological views. I'm gonna just throw out there that I think we still do that. We just do it metaphorically because we're more civilized, right? Now we just do it with our words, with our disdain, with our judgment, with our condemnation. Um, we become hostile towards each other because they don't believe what we don't believe what the other person believes, or they don't act like we want them to act, or they don't vote the right box on the ballot, right? But how do we reconcile loving everyone with the way we act sometimes, right? In John 13, 34, Jesus says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. I am not mincing words, I am God. Love one another. It's revolutionary, it's not how we're trained. It's not how our people tell us to be, but it is what we're being asked to do. Because love should never be the fuel for violence, it is only the fuel for peace. That's what it's meant to be. I think it's good to consider though if the overarching experience of the world what the world gets from us. But it's even more interesting or maybe self-reflective to experience what's the overarching experience the world is getting from you, from me. I'll just be honest and tell you sometimes I don't want to hear the answer to that question if it's about me. (laughs) Because sometimes I think uh, it's not love. I'll let you consider for yourself. I'm just telling you about me. But how can we be enlivened him if we don't love? That's a question I'm asking myself every day, just in case you're curious. Over the years, Juan and I have been in a lot of conversation with couples. I'm gonna take this to families for a second. I can't tell you how many times we've been told, I just don't love him anymore. I don't know, for this, but I have 100 reasons. (laughs) Would you like a list? Um, He doesn't meet my needs. She doesn't do this, she doesn't do that, she yells. You know how women are. Um, He's immature. He doesn't check with me before he spends money. I used to say that one. (laughs) We do not agree on how to raise our children. I could go on and on about the things that people have told Juan and I in counseling sessions um, and I'm not giving any names so it doesn't really matter. But anyway, you know what struggling couples never say to us? I mean honestly, I don't think anyone's ever said to us. We are struggling to lay down our lives for one another. Could you help us learn that? We're wanting to learn how to put the needs of our partner and our family above our own needs, but we need coaching. Whoa. We want our marriage and our family to more powerfully communicate the abundant love of God to the world. I don't think we've ever been asked those questions in a counseling session. I get people are frustrated at that moment, but what would be the outcome of our marriages and our families if we were loving one another the way God asks us to? What what if we started at home? And then it spread out. It it like spilled out on our extended family, on our friends, on our neighbors. What if the lady down the street knew you were loving people? That would be revolutionary. It would be amazing. Look, you guys. I'll say this. Okay, I think then the song would be true. They'll know we are Christians by our love if we're doing that. I think the song would be true. But if we get everything else wrong and we get this one thing right, we will see the light of God. And we get everything else right and this one thing wrong, we're gonna be more wrong than everybody else. God's not trying to control us with rules and rituals and do's and don'ts, he's inviting us. It's an invitation into love. Perfect love, casts out fear, that's what he says. When we're motivated by fear, disappointment, guilt, shame, then we're less likely to be able to love, to let it define us. I mean, it just gets in the way, right? But it is one or the other. We can't have it both ways. Love is ever expanding. Um, When Juan and I decided to get married, (laughs) look it, I'm just the more cynical person in our marriage. Clearly you already know that by, okay? But he asked, asked, in fairness, I asked him. But anyway, we decided to get married and he said, I'll marry you, but if I do, it's forever. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, yeah, I'm all all in for forever. I mean, unless it sucks. Because if it sucks, I don't know about forever. Now, just in fairness, I didn't say that last part out loud. To him, I said yes. He thought I was saying yes. So, um, but I just like, I don't know. I don't think I thought that, I think I thought maybe love wasn't a forever proposition. You know, maybe it can't be forever. I don't think I was scared that, that one day I would just fall out of love or he would fall out of love. I don't think that actually occurred to me. Um, I thought it would be too hard. I thought loving someone, opening up to someone through everything that life could bring for the rest of my life, because I did plan on living a long time, um, that I might not be capable of it. That's what I thought. Um, I thought maybe it was something I, did, what I might not be up for. But I didn't know for sure. I've been married. We've been married thirty over thirty years, so um, I would say now that um, at that di- I didn't have the foggiest idea. I didn't have the foggiest idea what love was. Um, I got married and I said yes, and I didn't know, right? I didn't know what it meant to love a person enough to shift and change and grow and risk. Um, huh. Like twenty-three-year-old Leslie was clueless, um, but I got married and love expanded. And I made it through a year of not talking to the person I married, and love expanded. And you know what I thought? I thought, this is love. We made it. And then we had our, I'm gonna cry, because like, I love him, but then I, we had our first son, Zach, and oh my gosh, he has blue eyes like this, and he had the perfect pink lips. And I thought, oh man, this is love. I didn't even know you could love something this much, right? And then um, I got pregnant with a second kid, and I thought, how do you love that thing as much as you love the first one? I love you, Josh, but, but I didn't know. I didn't, you don't know what you don't know. But this kid came out with eyelashes that touched his eyebrows, and he's the sweetest, sweetest thing in the world. And love expanded. And I'm like, this is love. Oh, my gosh. And I started to get a glimpse, to understand that there is enough love. There's enough love for Juan and Zach and Josh. There's enough love for Victoria and Melinda and Verena, for my neighbors, for my friends, for my mom, for my sister, there's enough. You know why? Not because I'm good at it. Because God fills in the gaps. He shows up. He looks at at me and he's like, you're not good at this. Let me help you. He's met me, he's met me, he knows. But you guys, this is the invitation of Jesus, ever expanding love with him, with your neighbors, with your family. If you crave that, if you're like, I want that in my life, a life where love expands, a life where love informs your way of being and then it just pours out on people accidentally instead of whatever is pouring out on him now, I don't know. If it sounds better than the life you're engaging in now, then it's time to risk. It's just time to risk for a radical relationship with Jesus. That's what today's about. This is why Jesus came for you and me, why he allowed himself to be crucified, why he allowed himself to die, not out of obligation. It's just because he's madly in love with you. That's the reason. And he's up for all your junk, too. Just throw that in. John 3, 16 and 17 says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. If you're here this morning and you're feeling separated from God, you're feeling separated from the love of God, you're feeling separated from being able to love other people, maybe you're not sure how to move forward Or maybe you recognize that you need to forgive somebody. Or maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. I don't know, I don't know what God's bringing up for you today, but today, whatever that is, God wants to meet you. He wants to be there for you. He wants you to know that he came for you. Not for the person sitting next to you, well, also for them, but not only for them, also for you. He came so you could experience real true love. The kind of love that only comes from a connection to him. He came so you could believe in the kind of love that's like oxygen, that lifts you up where you belong, that's splendid. It came from Moulin Rouge love. That's not in the Bible. Um, but if this is you, I, I just want to invite you to join me in a prayer. It's nothing magical. It's not hocus pocus. It's just you talking to God, telling him where you're at this morning. Um, I'm gonna pray, you can just close your eyes and pray along with me, you can pray your own words, they don't have to be these words, but I'm just gonna pray this prayer. God, we just wanna thank you so much for sending your son for each and every one of us. Thank you that you loved us, loved me, if it's you personally, so much that you would suffer and die so that I don't have to. God, forgive me for thinking I could do it all on my own. This, This morning I'm inviting you into my life. I'm inviting you to show me your ways of love. And I'm asking that you would invade my heart and my mind and create in me a heart that loves others the way you do. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.